What if everything came with a free Star Wars audiobook from Audible? Like at the cantina. I'll take a half-calf spotchka. Lightweight. Here's your free audiobook download for Master and Apprentice from Audible. Or getting your pod racer serviced. My pod racer needs upgrades to the coupling and stabilizer. And here's your free audiobook download for Resistance Reborn from Audible. Life in the galaxy doesn't work that way, but there is one place you can go where you can get a free Star Wars audiobook from Audible. And that's utini.com slash audible. Click the Audible logo and start your 30-day free trial, which includes a free audiobook download. So visit utini.com slash audible and get your free Star Wars audiobook download today. I'm Rebecca Roanhorse, author of Resistance Reborn, and you are listening to the Living Force Podcast. Welcome to the Living Force Podcast, Episode 45, Lost Stars Roundtable, Part 2. On this episode, Happy Star Wars Day, a new Star Wars film announcement, and the Utini crew continues their discussion on Lost Stars by Claudia Gray. And now, here are your hosts. Dr. Corey Helton, Eric Eilerson, Dr. Charles Hankel, and Wes Jenkins. Oh, man, there we are, baby. uh, My mouse, like, slid a little bit. I almost missed the record button. (laughs) (laughs) It would be May the 4th if there wasn't a little weirdness. Also, you can can only see Corey. Are you Cheryl can only see Corey. I I think I was pinned. Now we're fixed. There we go. I was pinned. (laughs) 55 episodes in, Corey's like, it's my show now. You remember how I said that uh, I wasn't going to use my checklist anymore? Okay, that's a mistake. (laughs) I I remember you saying that. Yes, I clearly need to still use the checklist. All right, guys. Looks like we've got some people here in our chat. Welcome, everyone. Um, If... YouTube decides to be a big ol' asshole again this episode. Uh, remember that we have a backup kind of in a couple places, so you can find it on Twitch. I think Wes should have shared all that stuff in Discord so you can get to it. Yep. So just F- I'm sure FYI. calling YouTube a bunch of assholes isn't going to help. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what will I'll help? i put out the Twitch one <laughs> just in case. You know what will help everyone? If we channel the power of May the 4th on episode 55 of the Living Force podcast, welcome everyone happy star wars christmas we are so happy to have you we are going live monday afternoonish evening i am one of your hosts eric eilerson and with me as always on this glorious may the 4th holiday are the doctors themselves we have dr charles henkel first today what's up charles whoa whoa switching it up how's it going guys happy may the 4th it's going tremendously. Camilla, thank you for the compliment on my shirt. I am wearing my Tano Her Universe shirt today in honor of the holiday. We also have Dr. Corey Hilton. Hello. What is crackalackin? And my wife. Hello. And your <laughs> wife. We have puppies all over the floor, and it is a madhouse. Here Absolute right now. chaos. At least we have the calm serenity that is Wes Jenkins. Hello, Wes. Hello, everyone. Good to hear from you. <laughs> The ASMR version of The Living Force is coming your way very soon. <laughs> Guys, it's May the 4th. Be with you day. How has everyone's May the 4th been thus far? Man, it's been a uh, it's been a hell of a day. We got a bunch of crazy news. Uh, we got an episode of The Clone Wars, the conclusion of the entire series. Man, we got a lot to talk about today. We 
Totally. Dude, you know what? Yeah, let's just jump right into it because we do have part two of our Lost Stars roundtable. That is coming up in the main part of the show. So let's buzz through this May the 4th news we've gotten thus far. Again, we are recording at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So if you're listening to this later on in the week and they drop something at like 9 p.m., sorry, we ain't talking about it on this episode. But we are going to talk about the biggest news, which is the confirmation that there is a Star Wars feature film coming from the mind of Taika Waititi, who will be directing and co-writing a new Star Wars project with Christy Wilson Cairns, who is the writer of 1917. New film, guys! Genius. Yeah, a new Star Wars film. Man, of all the announcements he could have done today, a new film was not on my list. No, Seriously. no. Does this, make y'all question, does this make y'all question... Everything about celebration. What kind of what kind of announcements are they saving? You know, or were they saving for that? Are these them, or are there more? I mean, I just I don't even know what to think. There's always more. There's always there's more. always. Yeah. More. I think that these are ones also because we we had this and then we had the confirmation that Leslie Headland, uh, the showrunner of Russian Doll, is creating, writing, and executive producing and showrunning a new series for Disney Plus. Both of these had been rumored previously in places like Variety, Hollywood Reporter, and stuff. But again, we know you never trust anything until it's on StarWars.com. So, these did get confirmed on StarWars.com, on their official Twitters. So, I think today was a good time to confirm things, right? Less so, like, new announcements and more so, like, yeah, that's definitely happening. Yeah. But I feel pretty good about those. What Do you guys have any idea what you... What you might want from the Taika Waititi movie. Because obviously he did the last episode of The Mandalorian we all loved so much. He did Thor Ragnarok. And then bringing in the writer of 1917 for some war vibes, maybe? I don't... I really don't know. I mean, maybe some Old Republic type of stuff. Remember I told you that I was going to be shocked if uh, if this little backtrack in time was not going to be successful. Um so, like, I honestly would not be surprised if that's the next era that they're just going to entirely is this old Republic, uh, High Republic era stuff. So maybe that? I don't know. Um, it could also be some of the maybe unannounced stuff that never happened. I know we there was originally rumors about the Kenobi TV show. I mean, the Kenobi movie, which obviously we're getting a TV show now. Um, wasn't there some other, like, Star Wars story floating around? There was stuff? a Boba like, Fett uh, that was going to be directed yeah. by James Mangold for a while. So this could certainly be uh, be his style. So absolutely, uh, Camilla says as long as it has droids, it's all good. And agreed, uh, Tycho with droids is like comic gold perfection. Yeah, agreed. Right. I hope they let it be weird. That's my. I've seen a lot of people tweet about that. I agree. I hope they let Tycho be a little weird because when Star Wars is a little weird, I think it's at its best. Yeah, yeah. agreed. So that was an awesome announcement. Um, Again, the Leslie Headland announcement we kind of knew already. I'd love to have that confirmed. We also got the box art for Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker Saga, the video game coming out later this year. It's gorgeous, encapsulates all the eras. We also got a little article that said it has over 500 characters. Most are going to be playable, including Yaddle. Yo, <laughs> playable Yaddle. Take my money immediately guys how did that news hit you best best news of 2020 possibly <laughs> gaddle <laughs> maybe so, i, I did i played a little bit of the star wars the lego star wars games i don't think i've played all of them i played a couple of them though but a lot these, of people are super into those and these are importantly not like the old games with some new content like they right. they're redoing everything right like this is brand new yeah 
Yeah, it's not wow. a re-release combo pack. It is brand new levels. You can apparently jump in at any point in the saga you want from the beginning. Um, if you don't want to start in the prequels, you don't have to. Um, wow, that's interesting. And just there's going to be so many characters. And I, I'm going to say right now, this has to mean there's going to be playable Bail Organa if there's Yaddle. I mean, in terms of popularity, I feel like Bail is above Yaddle. <laughs> Welcome to <laughs> Eric's Bail Corner, Organa. where we talk about Bail Organa and Yaddle <laughs> and their Lego <laughs> counterparts. Uh, no, I if, if this comes out and you can play as Bail Organa, I will do a Twitch stream full playthrough of Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga as Bail Organa. <laughs> <laughs> Saying Setting it now. first. Uh, so we're very excited about all of those. A lot of cool little tidbits of news. I doubt we're done. Uh, actually, right now, I believe there is a author's panel going on with a few writers. Uh, there's a ton of live streams going on today, obviously, with everyone being home. Um, so check a lot of those out if you want. Maybe some news coming that way. But we have our own news for after the show. I want to plug here real quick if some of you don't know what we're doing. Corey, what are we doing directly after recording this show tonight? Oh, man. We are having our annual watch party uh, every year for, like, we happened by accident, I think, like, three years ago. We all just on the team, and the team, the team kind of hung out. We watched um, watch a new Hope. episode four. Yeah, yeah watch New Hope. Um, last year, we did another watch party. Uh, this year, we're doing it again. Lots of fun. If you're a Patreon patron if you're a patron of patreon um <laughs> then head over to our discord we have a like a like a audio channel we're gonna we're gonna watch uh the last four episodes of the clone wars together the entire ahsoka arc we're gonna watch it all together tonight hang out for a couple hours after the show it's gonna be a ton of fun so if you are a patron then head over there if you're not a patron you still have time to send us money and join the party so yeah um, any discord patron at all one already. dollar gets you in it's yep, totally cool a dollar dollar gets you in um and uh one cool thing about that, too, we are not going to talk a lot about uh, the Clone Wars on this show. Again, we're probably going to bounty hunt about that. We will talk later as we're watching about it. So if you want a preview of our remarks about the, the finale of the Clone Wars, spoiler, it was perfect and made us all cry and shake, uh, then make sure you head over to Patreon on Discord after the show today. couple of updates on that Patreon, speaking of which, we have some new patrons, gentlemen. We have two guys I want to shout out first. Alec Householder, a buddy of ours who played Battlefront with us. Corey, a buddy of yours, joined our Jedi High Council. Absolute sure champion. Appreciate that. And James Carson joined us as well. Guardian of the Wheels, man. You're going to get all those extra shows. We appreciate you guys so much. Thank you for joining the family. We want to keep saying we have Bounty Hunt coming your way. If you have not been listening to Bounty Hunt on Patreon, you have not heard us talk about all of the new episodes of The Clone Wars, all the episodes of The Mandalorian, and going forward... Who's to say? Something else will come out. Uh, today, also, we dropped a Legends look back with myself and Jared. We talked about Darth Bane, Path of Destruction. Uh, really loved that book. Loved that chat. So if you're looking for some Star Wars on your May the 4th, check that Patreon feed. And finally, every Wednesday, we still have the Ghost Crew, which is me and Charlie talking about Star Wars Rebels. So be sure to look for episode six, five, five, five of that coming out this Wednesday. And, of course, if you are new to this show, be sure to subscribe to this Living Force podcast wherever you get your podcasts and tune in every single week to hear us at Utini talk about Star Wars Expanded Universe. Go ahead, leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google, wherever to help people find us and head over to utini.com for reviews, articles, and comprehensive book profiles on every single story in the Star Wars galaxy. Y'all, this is where we usually talk about book reviews. 
We keep getting a lot of book reviews on the site, which we super appreciate. But today, because of our roundtable format, we're going to skip them. We'll be back to book reviews next week. Again, if you want to leave some reviews for your favorite books on Utini, look it up in the search bar. Click on that book profile. Scroll to the bottom where you can leave a star rating and a written review. And we'll read it here on the show. Whew. I think that's all the news. Any more news I'm missing, guys? It hasn't been a crazy week, but it's been pretty good, I'd say. I'll take it. I'll take it. All right. Uh, one thing I want to address in the chat, our buddy Jedi Pig jumped in and asked us a Clone Wars question before we jump in. Do we think they should novelize other Clone Wars arcs, like Crystal Crisis or anything like that? Do we see that happening? I know there's been some rumblings about, like, maybe we should novelize the Siege of Mandalore. Maybe we should novelize things that ever happened to the Clone Wars. Do you think there's places for that? Hmm. Maybe I don't know. Um, it's not gone. It's not gone super well. I think in the past when they've done that, just because it creates continuity error, errors, like sure. when they naturalize stuff. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I have mixed feelings on that. It's hard enough to build the the film. So I know. would like it if they had like other stories that were going to be in season seven that didn't get to the point that the ones did that we obviously saw, like Dark Disciple. I think probably most of us saw like the animatics or whatever you call them that were online. And then we got the novel and it's one of my favorite novels that is in the entire expanded universe. So if there's more stuff like that, untold stories that that they could put out in that format, I would love it. Yeah. I remember someone saying there's like, what, like 30 or 40 episodes that Filoni has like marked out and storyboards and stuff. And if they're not going to get made, give them to the writers. Let's keep Clone Wars going. But y'all, this is not about Clone Wars right now. This is about Lost Stars. We are going to take the rest of this episode and try to finish up this roundtable in one of the greatest books in Star Wars. Going forward, if you didn't hear it in our first episode, this is a full spoiler-filled roundtable. And with that warning being said, I'm going to throw this to our roundtable master himself. The three beers in Doctor, Charles Henkel. What is going on? All <laughs> right. We're just going to jump right back in where we left off. So uh, we had just kind of been talking about how maybe Sienna is not a very good person, but maybe she is. We don't really know. <laughs> oh, but, right. That's where we ended. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was it was a cliffhanger just as good as every episode of The Clone Wars that we've gotten recently. Absolutely. So, I want to talk about one of the story points that we got about Sienna and her twin sister who had died and throughout the story absorbed in the womb <laughs> is that, she, is that what she it was? ate her <laughs> I, don't, I don't i don't she I don't consumed remember. her i, I didn't think i didn't think that. about it i didn't think about it throughout the book though i was just like <laughs> i was just like medically speaking did they say what happened like was it like a you know i don't know this is dark but i was think it like she a just stu- died was it just a was it die like shortly after birth type of thing yeah or was it just i like think a, so re- no I, th- I think she was in supposed to be a twin i think i think it was a womb absorption i think that's real that's the impression that I got too, which which makes the whole like look through my eyes kind of dumb. In I my think opinion. I think you guys are having one of those fake like memories that some people have. Like the spelling <laughs> of Berenstein Bears has changed. Have you seen these? <laughs> what? Some, there's no. there's like a sub. All right, this is so <laughs> off topic. There's a subset of people out there who believe that the spelling of the Berenstein Bears has changed, if you remember those books back in the day. There's also a subset of people who have this collective memory that Nelson Mandela died while he was in in prison. prison. Uh, There's weird things. Look these up. Anyways, this is not one of those, hopefully. (laughs) 
But conspiracy <laughs> theories. No matter Charles, what happened, podcast by Utini. <laughs> no matter. Yes, people are helping me in the chat. Mandela effect. And uh, Jose or or Joxy from our Discord says that it did change. I believe in reference to the spelling of the Bernstein Bears. So. <laughs> Dude, that is not how you spell the Bernstein Bears. It's, it's spelled incorrectly right now. That shit oh, what have, what have I Casey, done? Casey Murphy also said he totally thought absorbed, too. See, that's, that is 100% the impression okay. that I got. Maybe that is what happened. We're going to we're gonna have to come back to this. Wes, can we put you on that? You, you fact check <laughs> us out, all the time. Find out if the Schwinn was resorbed no problem. or not. Figure out what happened to Winnette, okay? Oh, my God. Detective Jenkins is on the too. case. All right, all right, guys, we gotta get going here. So, Sienna... guys, do you want me to spoil this right now? I found it on on Wikipedia immediately. She okay. had a twin sister, right. Wynette, who died only a few hours after they were both Thank born. Thank you, y'all are okay. crazy. I thought she was Jeez. absorbed as well. <laughs> I'm sorry. Maybe she was absorbed, but yeah. several hours after birth. Wait, so she went back. <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole new meaning to look through my eyes. <laughs> Wait, Corey, oh, you deliver babies, geez. right? Is that possible? Can you be absorbed after you're born? Maybe if it's like some kind of mutant alien that like, I don't know, eats other babies or something. Like our in Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, the Jellucani are technically aliens. Oh, my Lord. Okay. All right, guys. Seriously. Starting strong, guys. Starting strong. This is, this is not bode well. Okay. So, throughout this story, for y'all that do remember the facts of the story, (laughs) Sienna says, look through my eyes. And she's saying this in reference to her twin sister, Wynette, who died several hours after being born. (laughs) Yes. And, you know, I thought that was a really interesting thing to do on Claudia Gray's part. And I think it was actually kind of a message to readers in a lot of ways to help us kind of reexamine the parts of the Star Wars story that maybe we've become numb or desensitized to like the destruction Ooh. of Alderaan etc mm-hmm. and I wanted to know if it if it managed to serve that purpose for you whenever you heard Sienna say look through my eyes did you tend to look a little closer at what was going on and if not then how how did it function for you to, to me it wasn't I thought less about the resorb sister and I was more interested in <laughs> I was I was more interested in the fact that like whenever this the line comes up like look through my eyes it's like it'll it'll it it's a nice little phrase that points out like a moment of character development for Sienna because it's like mm. she's experiencing something that she's finding profound and the stuff that she finds profound throughout the book is it varies a lot whether it's like like a space image or like flight like there's a lot of really cool stuff that that sort of applies to mm-hmm. um, but I think it's character development. Yeah, I agree. I'm on that part. It's it's kind of like when you see uh, someone like a kid in a movie witness something horrible, and their and their parent is like, "Don't look away. Like like look at this. Remember this." It's kind of Sienna's way of keeping herself accountable. Like even if I want to look away from something, if it's too hard or something like that, then maybe this will force me to actually look at it and 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 be accountable and actually feel like I need to remember this because my life is is valuable because even though my sister didn't live i have a responsibility to observe these events and to grow and to learn because she couldn't it's like living in honor of somebody so i agree it was all for sienna i think almost more than us okay so 
I'm I'm really trying to get you guys to sympathize with Sienna. I want to come back from last I week love and realize Sienna. that maybe I, she's, I don't know what how we spun out last year last we, week. We <laughs> we really did, but you know, there it's a really good story and I think it helps us to kind of experience these events along with Sienna and kind of grow along with Sienna. Um mm-hmm. you know, another reason that you might sympathize with Sienna and also with Thane is there's a major plot point in this book where Basically, the instructors at the Imperial Academy set up Sienna and Thane to have an argument, right, by faking Ugh. the sabotage of more or less a school project. And they yep. did that to make them believe that they had betrayed each other. And the whole point was to ensure that they were loyal to the Empire as opposed to one another or to uh, Jalukin or, or, you know, anything that came really before they became officers mm-hmm. in the Empire. So I want to ask y'all, do you think it's possible to serve the Empire while still remaining loyal to your home world and its ideals, or are the two ideas inherently at odds with each other? Ooh. Uh, that's, that's, a, <clears throat> that's a good question because it kind of brings to, brings to mind like the idea of like treason against whatever your government power is at the time because mm-hmm. it's like – like you everybody feels some sort of sense of nationality i think and patriotism towards whatever their government or country or whatever it is mm-hmm. um, i know we have a pretty big like international community at UTE and like you know people talk about they're from so and so country and they have you know people feel a sense of nationalism so i think that that's going to kind of occur to uh with with like anybody in star wars in regards to the empire but there's also this sort of it feels like for for a long time the empire was like secret bad you know what i mean like yeah like, like people didn't realize the empire was as awful as it was until it like directly affected them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, their mom was put in a labor camp or something like that. So, yeah. it, it, does it directly go at odds with, uh, like, can you be loyal to both? I think to a certain degree, and I think we kind of see that over and over in Star Wars. Uh, that like characters try to be loyal to a home planet or a or the empire, but they either they fail at one of them. Usually, it seems like. Yeah, I think it also depends what the station of your planet is within the Empire. Like, it's probably a lot easier mm-hmm. to be loyal to Coruscant and the Empire than it is to be yeah. loyal to Tatooine and the Empire, right? So I think right, sure. if you're richer, then you're going to be more loyal to rich people. Um, whereas I think in the Rebellion, it's a lot easier for people to be loyal to their home planet because it's a lot of individual home planets making up the Rebellion. And kind of trying to band together, whereas the Empire is taking over, you know, subjugation versus yeah. willing to join. Now, sure. as much as I, you know, I, I hate the instructors at the Academy for pulling this stunt on Thane and Sienna, you can't lie. It was a brilliant maneuver because it totally worked. Yeah. Um, 100%. I think that even though Thane hated Jelukan for what it reminded him of, like he hated his family, he hated how he was raised, he clearly still had loyalty to the values of the planet. Um, I, I think you could argue that he's on, he could be more of a first waiver than a second waiver at heart, even. Um, yeah. So I think in that way, him seeing Sienna choose the Empire made him double down on his Jellucan nature. He's like, you know what? I didn't really love the traditions of your people, but now that I see you abandon them, I realize how good they are, and that makes me more angry at you. Mm-hmm. So to answer your first question again, Charles, I think that it depends on where you're from and what those values are more so than the general idea of can you be loyal to a planet and an empire at the same time? Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense too. And just like a random thing that popped into my head when you said that was uh, one of Thane's roommates, Ved Foslow, 
right? He was from uh, Coruscant. Great, great dickhead character. Yeah, he really was, wasn't <laughs> like, he? Oh, we knew this they... guy. We all knew this guy in school. Oh yeah, oh yeah, we did. And he went to like the Imperial Ball or whatever they went to, right? And he was dressed in like the latest Coruscant fashion. I think is what the book said. And, you know, if if Thane or Sienna had done that for Jalukin, I imagine it probably would have been looked down upon. But it was mm-hmm. totally fine, you know, for him to flaunt that he was from Coruscant. So that's a really great point. Um, but, you know, I want to talk about someone else who uh, remained loyal to the Empire, even when I think it was an incredibly questionable decision to do so. And that's <laughs> none other than the other other roommate, Nash Windrider. Uh, yeah. So Man. Nash, we talked about him uh, just briefly last week about he basically was from Alderaan. Obviously, Alderaan was destroyed and Nash continued to serve the Empire all the way until the very end of the book when we find out that he essentially survived the Battle of Jakku. He is part of this like amassing Imperial force uh, out in some nebula and Nash actually closes the book speaking to Sienna and says the line, you will be avenged when the Empire rises again. So mm-hmm. let's get the obvious out of the way. Are we getting a sequel? Uh, a sequel? Should we get a sequel? <laughs> yes. Will okay. we? Should we? I, I doubt I, it. I, I sorry, sorry. Would I like one? That's the, be- that's, that's the real question. Would I like a sequel? Absolutely. I think it sets up uh, a potential for a sequel because also – very few Star Wars books end with and everyone's story is concluded. Like it, yeah. it's a living universe, so I think it's smart of her to keep it open if she wants. I would already love a sequel for sure, but clearly the way they're using Claudia Gray in the High Republic and a bunch of other projects, I don't think they're gonna bring her back on this. Maybe for another like five or ten years. Um So uh, as much as I would love one, I weirdly think she might be too high profile, if that makes sense. Hmm. And I don't think they'll give it to anybody else. No one else should do it. Oh, I'll say I that. agree. I agree with that. Yeah. So let's do some pure conjecture just quickly. If there sure. was a sequel, let's examine where everyone is at the end of this book and where that could possibly go. Because Sienna is in a New Republic prison for war crimes, right? Well, but- Sienna, Sienna at this point has been reabsorbed into her mother's womb. <laughs> um- <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> No, but uh, I, no, so, I think it's an interesting yeah. thought, though, because with the timeline, could it possibly line up where she could have gone to Traitor's Remorse, you know, the town for oh. ex-Imperials that we saw in Alphabet Squadron? Yo, yo, if Sienna Re shows up in Alphabet Squadron, I'm going <laughs> to lose my mind. That would, be, that's actually that would a, be amazing. That's actually a fairly plausible plot line just in general. Like, forget, like, everything. Like, that could actually happen. She's it's an incredible pilot. But- yeah, yeah, that could certainly she could be Charles, a in that series. Charles, what you just Damn. did to my mind. Heard it here, <laughs> heard it here first, guys. Wow. <laughs> I'm just saying it could crazy. be cool. Or she could rot in prison. I don't know. All right, Thane, <laughs> he's still a military <laughs> member with the New Republic, yeah. right? And it seemed clear that he intended to stay in that role, right? So, I yeah. mean, he would really go forward and he would be part of one of the forces that we see in the sequel trilogy, right? Mm-hmm. You think he uh, you think he could walk away from the rebellion if they like like really try to prosecute Sienna and stuff though? I I, I think I agree with Thane what Thane says at the end of the book though is that I don't think they would. I I do think that there's a possibility of like, you know, she's under your care now. You're, you know, 
you got to make sure that she's out of here. If she messes up again, it's like a probation thing. I mm-hmm. I honestly <clears throat> thought back in the day we were going to see Thane in Star Wars Resistance. I thought they would bring him in mm. um, as a kind of a cameo character. But I think he's flying in the New Republic military alongside Poe, personally. Hmm. That'd be interesting. I think that's where he yeah. ends up. But I think, I think there he's is something to, now. like, in the sequel story, quote-unquote, um, Thane and Sienna are both flying with the New Republic military eventually, and they hear that uh, Nash is, like, somewhere trying to basically stir up another rebellion group or starting with the first order or something and they have and because they know him best they're going to go try to take him down together i think that's the next story yeah yeah so help me understand nash because he's kind of the last one i wanted to touch on and i get to be entirely honest a little bit thrown in the post rotj timeline like which group is which so nash is is with this imperial splinter group essentially right and they're out in the Quailuhan nebula i just Mm -hmm. read that i don't remember nicely done and uh you know my question like is that is that the beginnings of the first order force or is that just an imperial splinter group and he could you know potentially be one of those like warlords that we saw in legends like what is happening there no, I think I think it's certainly going to be early first order stuff. Early first like, order, yeah, very yeah, much like so, aftermath. We're we're kind of past that uh, imperials grasping for power phase. I think of the timeline. I think that I think mm-hmm. that really mostly happened between Return of the Jedi and the Battle of Jakku. Like um, everybody kind of went nuts with that. Yeah, but in this book like we kind of see the very end of it it seems like there's a sense of cohesion so i don't know doesn't aftermath pick up somewhere in regard to this timeline as well or is there some overlap there Eric? yeah after, aftermath uh, empire's end ends at the battle of jakku as well um okay and then there right. are definitely some first order beginnings there so i i agree mm-hmm. i think that nash ends up being some sort of He's one first of those snotty first order <laughs> officers that you know, like, uh, like who is that? Who's that asshole? Pride. In that recent book. No, oh, no, from the Pride. Book. Oh, uh, 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 yeah, the, the recent one that beat the oh, crap Kath? out of that girl. Do what? Are you talking about Kath from Black Spire? Resistance Reborn? Resistance Reborn. The guy from Resistance Reborn that was like a jerk, like the character. Yeah, he's Corellian. Like I forget his name. The Corell. Yeah. Anyway, <clears throat> so that's the type of person that Nash is becoming, though. Is like this sort of sniveling, mm-hmm. arrogant, righteous nutcase. Like, yeah, yeah. So I want to I want to talk about Nash for a second because this this read changed my view on Nash quite a lot. I I, I gotta admit. Um, okay. Because I Alderaan is my favorite planet, like fanboy wise. I love Alderaan. I'm all about Bail Organa. Uh, if this is your first show ever listening, um, and I, I love everything that planet is about. So I was predisposed to love Nash from the beginning, and then once he turns after Alderaan is destroyed, my first read, I'm like, eh, I hate this guy. This is this sucks. This time reading it through, I really read the tragedy of Nash a little bit more because mm-hmm. this dude is super loyal to his home world and he leaves cuz it's a core world. It's like it's a high-ranking yeah. world and he's and he's loyal to the empire. I think this goes back to what you just asked us Charles, can you be loyal to both? And mm-hmm. I think he was. And I think once Alderaan is gone, his mind cracked in a way that he needed to justify what happened. And if the empire is wrong, that means he pledged his loyalty to the wrong side and it killed his entire family. But yeah. mentally if he makes the decision I actually pledged myself to the right side, and 
the only way that I get to sleep at night is by doubling down on how much I trust them. Yeah. Because yeah, then totally. I can be okay with it. My conscience can be clear that my family were traitors, and if the Empire will kill my family, then whoever else they kill, I'm fine with. Because there's not there's mm-hmm. no way that he loves the people of Tatooine or Endor or Jakku more than he loved his own family. So of course he'll let anyone burn at that point. And it's really yeah. sad to see his mind kind of crack like that. Yeah, I I mean what totally. you're describing, totally. like medically speaking is kind of like a psychotic break where you have like a major stressor right and it can cause all kinds of things like you can have auditory visual hallucinations but you can also have delusions which are basically like beliefs that you have despite all of the evidence to the contrary right and so yeah despite all this evidence in front of nash that the empire is a horrible horrible thing he just kind of has this delusion that he needs to serve it. And like, that is his only function and priority in life. And I think you, I really think it is to that point. Like, I think he is cracked. Like you said, Eric. Yeah. yeah you heard it here, guys. Totally. The destruction of Alderaan was a major stressor. <laughs> <laughs> Medically speaking. Also, we can't really ignore the fact that Nash was kind of low key creepy on Sienna, like throughout the book. Well, he, yeah, he gets to the. I, I love the point though. You're you're totally right. He's hitting on her, and then when she's like, "Please don't," he's like, "Oh no, you still love the dead guy. My bad. You're totally right. I'll wait he like another. Two, but he but he's gonna wait like another year. Then he'll try again. Like we we yes. get it. We know what he's yeah. doing. Yeah. yeah, He's not saying no because of her. He's saying no to honor his dead friend, which is not That's cool. Right. Like, he should say no because she doesn't want to go out with him, not because he's betraying another dude's memory. That's that's oh, a God. good point. That's a fair you know? point. Okay, so final... <laughs> Jedi, Jedi Casey says in the chat, not at all low-key. Camilla says, again, pretty creepy. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a little creepy. So little final bit. thoughts on Nash, creepy and crazy, both. Creepy, crazy, and tragic, and an Alderanian... Before he cut his hair, he was awesome. That's the oh, key. listen! I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to Nash's hair, what, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Oh, thanks um, for that teaser. I love that. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> so, we kind of we kind of jumped ahead and talked about Nash there. I had like one big question that I want to hit on, kind of all of the all of the big characters, just to kind of get us through the character section like we typically do. We've kind of covered Nash, so let's just get to back to Sienna and Thane, and then we're mm-hmm. gonna have some fun. All right, so Great. Sienna, we kind of talked a lot about her continued devotion to the Empire and how it made us dislike her character. I'll tell you one thing that really got me is how she was kind of okay with her mom being sent to a hard labor camp. So did y'all find her kind of lack of reaction to her mom's sentence hard to believe or did you like lose your sympathy for the character of sienna at that point because it it, that's how it was for me yeah yeah i certainly did like it was already frustrating up to that point that uh like she couldn't see the evil but at that point she freely acknowledges that it's evil in a lot of ways and i think we talked about this a little bit last episode like the fact that she openly talks we see in her in her mind um, that sort of uh, narration in her head. Like we see her openly admit, like that she's going to have to go back and report to this officer that you know her mom's guilty and the empire is right and you know screw her mom, you know like and that's what the officer wants to hear. Like she freely admits that, which in a way is like commentary on the fact that she recognizes that the empire is evil in some regard. 
like even if that's subconsciously. So I certainly lost respect for Sienna at that point. And like we feel a level of sympathy for her as a character because we she's one of the protagonists, right? We see her throughout the entire book, but at the same time, like you know, in the grand picture of the rebellion and the empire, Sienna is certainly guilty. Like certainly guilty. Like just as guilty in my head as the as the folks that were real gung ho about murdering everybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah. So, all right. I'm gonna I'm gonna come here with the exact opposite opinion. Beow, beow, beow. Um, <laughs> uh, no. So I this actually is where my sympathy for Sienna like peaks at this point because I for me I see this is the point in the story where her spirit starts to break and she can't hold it together i think this is the point where she starts talking about you know what if i just flew my tie into that ship what if i just died because like it's kind of like if someone in like north korea has to do that it's it's the exact same kind of thing like it doesn't your parent deserve to go in these work camps and they look at you because of that government because of that dictatorship and fascism you got to say yes or else more horrible things are going to happen but i think that Claudia Gray wrote her in a way that you could see how much it would gnaw at her and it started to build inside her how much it hurt her to have to say that and I think she was totally stuck and I felt like this this sympathy for her being stuck in this cycle of abuse but the abuser was the empire Yeah, yeah so I think that I saw her having to do these things she didn't want to do and every day she probably died a little more inside and I think, honestly, the fact that she almost died at the end of the book is what ended up saving her life. Because I think that even if she had survived that crash, she would have found another way to die very soon if Sane hadn't got her off of there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I know there wasn't that much time story-wise, but it really got to me that she never even asked about her mom after the Empire was overthrown. Like, she never <laughs> asked Thane, like, hey, did, like, the... Did the rebellion go and find all these people that were enslaved and whatnot and free them? Like, is my mom okay? That never happened. No, I know. No, so. she didn't. She completely sided with the empire. It pisses me. Yeah, uh, but you er- know what? everything you said. Well, I, I can ignore all of that. But <laughs> well, I, you know what I can do? I can I can ignore what Charles is about to say because I'm saying we gotta take a quick break. We're gonna be back right after this to talk about how wrong I am, how wrong Corey is, and to have some quote unquote fun, according to Charles. We'll see you guys in a couple minutes. Hey, Living Force listeners, it's Jared here, host of Legends Look Back. What's better than a Wookiee? That's right, a Wookiee with a lightsaber. I just want to take a second to share my love for one of the best characters in the Legends books, and that's Chewbacca's Jedi nephew, Lobaka. Loie is one of the supporting characters from the Young Jedi Knights series, a student at Luke Skywalker's Jedi Academy on Yavin 4. In the books, he has one defining character trait in that he's a tech whiz, always ready and able to slice into a security system or fix a ship. Uh, the trouble is, of course, the other characters are not so great at speaking Shuriwook. Well, to solve the problem, Lobaka has his own personal mini protocol droid, MTD, strapped to his belt to help make sense of his growls to all of his little Jedi friends. One of the weird things is that he wields a bronze lightsaber, but it mostly looks red on the book covers. He, at one point, even joined an anti-human terror organization, but uh, we won't talk too much about that. 
After the Young Jedi Knights, he goes on to have a supporting role in the New Jedi Order series as Jaina's loyal mechanic, always ready with a listening ear through Jaina's many struggles through her love triangle with Zek and Jag Fell. You see, Lobaka's the stable, loyal successor to Chewbacca's lineage and a fierce fighter, and you should totally check him out. After all, like Jaina, we all need somebody to have our backs. Especially when that somebody is a Wookiee with a life debt and a lightsaber. Enjoy the rest of the show. May the Force be with you. And we are back! What a great break. I feel refreshed. I feel good. Corey is wrong. Charles, what's next? (laughs) So, I was just about to make a point. Dang it. And now I'm going to make it now that we're back. So. I want to do a little thought experiment, guys, because I was thinking about this the other day, and I realized Sienna's Oath of Loyalty is similar, in a way, to Chewie's life debt. Okay, we look at Chewie's bond with Han fondly, basically because they became great friends, and they generally agreed on things, and they acted as heroes, right, with their defiance of the Empire, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. But imagine if Han had acted in a way that Chewie disapproved of, or if he had been immoral in many of the ways that the Empire was immoral, would Chewie still honor that life debt? And if he did, would we lose our respect for Chewie in the way that we're saying we did for Sienna? Hmm. I don't I don't I don't know if it's I don't I don't know if you can you can take the moral high ground by bringing Chewie into the conversation. Oh, you, why yeah, is yeah, it's a it's a, a, a cultural call. it's a coach it's a cultural oath essentially. So, yeah. So let, let me ask you this: is the, is the life debt concept canon? Because that's certainly a thing in Legends, but I mean we have his origin story in in Solo now, and there's no mention to that. So I don't know if that's technically canon anymore. But but theolog- but theoretically at least, if we, t- if we take the idea of a debt theologically as well. <laughs> theologically. Um, <laughs> I was gonna scoot right by that, but sure. Um, yeah, I, I, it is an interesting idea, and I think it brings it really brings to mind what are the differences as far as cultures go. And I think in Star Wars, we we often get to a point where because for so many years it was largely written by people that follow the same cultural guidelines, that somehow every alien race seems to follow the same cultural norms and the same traditions. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. and I think that the Jelucani are like very different like the, the fact that honor is so big to the first waivers is something that is so foreign and is so you know unable to be understood and i i honestly think that a little bit of that mixed with again the the uh imp- importance on rank and the importance on advancement and the importance on bringing honor to your family is a little more of of an eastern tradition so i think it, it kind of catches some people off guard so that might be part of it too yeah yeah. And and I do want to point out I I don't know if I can't recall now if the actual Chewie having a life debt is canon, but the idea of a life debt certainly is canon because um Chas actually talks about it with Will in Alphabet Squadron. Um in, yeah. and Qui-Gon it, talks about and it. Qui-Gon, in Qui-Gon, yeah. yeah. That's right. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. He owes me what you might call a life debt. And yeah. now this ridiculous lizard man must follow me around and trip me wherever i go <laughs> something like exactly that. i think the, that was pretty he's, much he's a direct essentially quote. essentially my slave now and i'm using jedi mumbo jumbo to justify it all right yes yeah, he's my slave not like your slaves i haven't come to free you 
but I am going to take your son from you. But I kind of bought him. But I gambled on, on him, so he bought himself, but he's still not free because the Jedi are also kind of slaves. You get it. <laughs> Perfect. Oh. All right. What what a segue into Thane Kyrell. Um, so basically, my question about Thane, before we kind of wrap up this character section, is was Thane ever truly devoted to the idea of the Empire, or was it all about the opportunities for him? And was it all about Sienna for him? That's a good question. I think it's a little of, a little of both. Uh, I, more opportunity, I think, than anything else. But, you know, I think he fell into the trap that a lot of, you know, young folks run into if they view the military as this big glorious thing, right? And after they've fought and done some stuff they're not proud of they sort of backpedal a little bit which is you know that's natural and comes with experience and that sorts of things um but i think uh i think it i think it'd be hard to argue that he was ever truly loyal to the empire like truly truly he seemed to really not have a lot of difficulty walking away from it and at least to me yeah i agree the it's like sienna says when they get to coruscant Thane says, she said Thane couldn't understand it. And she was like, I was ready because I've been excited to come here and you were only focused on getting away from Jelukan. So, mm-hmm. like, Thane's, Thane's life has always been about getting away from his home world, getting away from his father, specifically getting away from his family. So it's been based on running, and that's why flight was such a big thing. We, we talked about that last episode. So I think his life has been about escaping things and has been about running with Sienna. So the Empire just happened to be the thing they were both on. If the Rebellion had set up academies on uh, on Jelucan or something, then he probably would have joined that as well. I don't think he actually cared. Um, and then, like, the second he realized how horrible the Empire was with Alderaan and with the slaves, he was like, cool, I'm, I'm done. And the way he talked about it was specific, too. Because he's like, mm-hmm. of course Sienna would leave. Like, it wasn't even a question to him where he was going. He's like, oh, well, duh. It's just, it's just a, ma- a question of when. So I don't think he was ever actually dedicated to the cause. It just was a means to an end. Okay. Yeah, I mean. It is, I amazing. Think- it is, it is a little amazing to me that, that Thane never recognized these traits that well in Sienna after all of the time that they were together. Like Hindsight, like she, man. We get it. She sucks. Always- <laughs> <laughs> just all right, you said it on me. No, I think I think he he did recognize a lot of those things, but he wanted to save her from those things, right? I mean, like yeah, we, was, I, just, I just mean I just mean like throughout that he was he was always very convinced that she was gonna turn, right? Like mm-hmm. always, but like How Palpatine, we see no, it's the love of his yeah, life. Oh wow, no okay, also ever. <laughs> He's you know plot twist. He's actually a Palpatine. There we go. Ray's brother. <laughs> oh go. oh no. it's canon. Apparently we can just do that now. Okay, well, on that note, (laughs) I want to talk about another cool thing about this book, and that's that it actually got a manga adaptation. Uh, Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and the first volume actually was not published until 2018, so it was like three whole years after the book came out. So um, that's kind of one thing that I think points to – the story not really fading from the awareness of the creative teams mm-hmm. at Lucasfilm, Del Rey, all of those people. So fingers crossed still maybe on a sequel there. But has anyone here read the manga? 
by chance? I have not. I I, I own it. I, I've never read it. It's um. I got them specifically for this roundtable. There's three nice. volumes, and I read them in like the past week or so, and it's really good and it's actually really different. So I wanted to like give it a shout out for anyone that really loves this story and wants to kind of re-experience it in a new way. This is a great way to do that. Um, it it jumps around. It opens actually with the Battle of Hoth. That point in the story. That's like the very wow. first page. And then it does tell things in flashback form, so you get a lot of the rest of the story. But um, it's it's just a really good supplement if anyone hasn't read it, uh, especially if yeah. maybe you don't have the patience for like a 600-page novel. And I know that there's, um, there's also the uh, Leia Princess of Alderaan got adapted into a manga as well, I, I believe. Did it? At this point, it, yeah, at, at this point, I believe it is still only in Japanese, except there's someone online that's going through and translating every issue that comes out into English slowly. So if you do some Googling, you can find it. So if you're a manga fan, two Claudia Gray books right there. Yeah, that's awesome. And it also kind of changes a couple of different things in the story. So um, one, I think having visual representations of the characters is always really nice, just like how we got you know, the sure. Alphabet Squadron promotional portraits that they release. But there are also actually some slight deviations from the story um, in this mm. versus the novel. So there's just like as a teaser, you can go and find them all yourselves because I would recommend picking these up. But at one point, Than and Sienna are actually holding each other uh, with knives to each other's throats. And this is not in Whoa. their final showdown. <laughs> this is not in the final showdown. So it's Is it, it in the sex scene? It's all... <laughs> I mean, it's I don't also, know. Also, not that could be in a Jello candy tradition. You know, one one other deviation that I thought I would point out is that absolutely no one's hair in in this uh, manga is regulation military. Check out Nash. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Nash is awesome. Literally That's none an of them. Incredible picture. But funny, it's man. no, it's really good. So go and check it out if y'all have time. Um, but guys, I think we are at the point of talking about some Easter eggs, connective tissue, and just general observations, as we like to do. Let's do it. All right. Number one thing, it starts with its own crawl. This novel actually has a crawl, and that's something that we don't typically see unless this is a novelization of one of the films, right? So how do you like that? Is that something that you want to see moving forward with novels that have nothing to do with the films? It depends on what we're talking about. I think that um, the these High Republic books probably need a crawl Ooh, to establish, yeah. yep. you know, the state of the galaxy. That, that's the important part. I always found the crawl. So comics have the crawl. Um, True. Yep. A lot yep. of a lot of single issues even have crawls, which is pretty crazy to me. Like every single issue in a in an arc mm-hmm. will have a a crawl, which I find pretty tedious to be honest a lot of times only like the last paragraph really changes though to like update Uh uh-huh yeah that's true that's true so i definitely thought it was interesting um i wonder if that's something that they played around with early on because this was one of like the first books that was published in new canon so i wonder if that's something they were playing around with and decided not to do going forward i don't know i love the idea of a crawl personally there are other books that start with like um I think, doesn't aftermath start with an Akbar speech? Or like, there, there are some books that always start with something. I'm always a fan of that. Whether it's a crawl in itself, whether it's a speech by someone giving like a state of the galaxy. Because you're you're right, Corey. That's a great way to put it. 
because Star yeah. Wars, we bounce around a so news much report into, or something yeah, of that nature. We bounce around so much in the timeline. It's nice just to have a little bit of a sense of where we are. And maybe we were trained with that through the saga films. Uh, maybe that's why we expect it. But if that's it, I think that's always a fun little nod that makes Star Wars pretty unique. And I really do enjoy that stuff. So definitely in higher public, but also going forward, always pro crawl from my camp. Awesome. Yeah, I loved it. I'd love to see some more. Um, moving on, this book kind of spans all the original trilogy as well as the beginning of the sequel trilogy. So we got a lot of characters that popped up from the films. And I want to run through at least a list of them and hit some high points for them in the in the story. So Tarkin, number one, we got an yeah. awesome scene where he's actually kind of nice, right? And he invites mm-hmm. Sienna and Thane onto a shuttle and basically kind of acts a little grandfatherly for them. And I thought it was cool that if you read this book alone, just that scene without having watched A New Hope, you might even think that Tarkin was kind of a pleasant guy. Um, you are describing literally Charlie's experience with Star Wars. She read this before she saw any movies, and she loves Tarkin to this day. She's like, I know he's evil. Still? But like, I mean, first impressions, man. Hard to shake. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Tarkin, Tarkin is... In my opinion, one of the most effective villains in all of Star Wars. Agreed. Like he's he's up there in like my top three villains of all time. It's like Emperor Vader Tarkin to me, or like top villains ever. Because Tarkin is such an interesting character. He's so politically savvy. He's a great military leader. Like like good to the point that clearly evil, but also just so focused on like the true mission of the Empire. Like he just has no regard for morality or anything. So I thought it was a fantastic cameo. And, and Claudia Gray totally nailed him as a character, too. Yes, like he was she did. Spot on. Like, the way that he was, like, nice, but also, like, like when he was being nice, like, you notice, you remember he says something to the soldiers that are around. He's like, see, fellas, it takes just a strong hand or something like that. He, like said, he's, he, he offers, says, never hesitate to use the lash when necessary, but there are moments when the lure is even more effective. Oh my God! Great, That's like that is amazing. Oh, that is such Tarkin. Oh my God! Like seriously, fantastic. Yeah, tremendous. It, it really was, and I thought it it kind of expanded on his character in an important way, just with one scene where we see how truly conniving he is. Like where he isn't just the straight up evil dude who everyone is scared of. Like he can play that card too. You know, he can mm-hmm. he can lure you in with that with the honey essentially. So yeah, I thought that was fantastic. Absolutely. Uh, we saw a lot of other Imperials, too, obviously. Um, Admiral Ozzel, the guy who Vader force chokes through the TV screen <laughs> oh when he came God. out of hyperspace. Sorry, Casey, Casey called, called Winchester Brad an epic asshole in the chat. Now it was choked on my drink. Well, that's accurate. I mean, yeah, yeah Winchester Brad was the guy we couldn't think of earlier from Resistance Reborn who like beat the crap out of, the, out of his uh, oh, yeah, young yeah. field subordinate. Yeah. That was him. Uh, not he is in this also book. an epic asshole. <laughs> so is Tarkin for that matter. So is Tarkin. <laughs> so is Ozzel. Piet was in here too, the guy who immediately mm-hmm. replaces Ozzel. Um, Wedge was in this book, guys. He recruits oh, Thane God. to the Rebel Alliance. That was he a was fantastic. He was awesome in this book. He really he was. was. Good, yeah. Um, and it and it, it Wedge just hits different now, doesn't he? After having Resistance <laughs> Reborn too. You know, yeah, like it does. I would love to get some standalone Wedge stuff, like something that's homage to. Um, to the old X-wing series, like maybe they'll give him like a big role in the Alphabet book. Like maybe I mean, Aftermath the re- the does some series. great stuff. I I really like Wedge in Aftermath. I mean, obviously he was. I said on our roundtable he was like my favorite part of Resistance Reborn. Um, 
But I yeah. hear you. That is, that has been one of the biggest, I would say, points of contention probably between <clears throat> old Legends readers and current canon is Wedge's role differentiation. Yeah, he's not. He's, he's pretty. He's pretty ignored, honestly, in yeah. the canon outside of yeah. the very, very new stuff. But like, I would love to see again, which is like the X-wing stuff from Legends, like peak, peak uh, rebellion versus Empire Wedge, like in the middle of the military type of stuff. I would love to see that some way, somehow. That would be sick. Yeah, totally agree. A comic series, maybe, kind of like Poe, maybe that might yeah, be cool. Yeah, because they would have to make it different enough from the X-wing series that it's not them being like, just go read the X-wing series, because like yeah. you can, mm-hmm. and that's that whole story. So they'd have to have a reason for making it different, so it's not doesn't just feel like rebranding Legends. Maybe a maybe a sort of a, a Top Gun esque type of uh, type of series. Shirtless with volleyball wet. all the time. Shirtless grab oh, ball. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and Wedge is kind of like he is the Top Gun. Like he's the instructor of the academy or whatever. Yep. Nobody can beat him. That'd be sick. I'd love to see. You know that. who Goose would be in that scenario? Dak, oh, who Dak? was also oh. in this book. <laughs> I, I swear to I was like I swear to God, Charles, you bring up Cornhorn in this episode. Oh my God, I'm just well, no, no, he's not a congratulations. You played yourself because you just brought him up I in did. this episode. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> no, but really, because Dak was Dak was in this book. He was Luke Gunner in Empire Strikes Back, the guy who says, "I feel like I can take on the whole empire by myself," and then immediately dies three minutes later. Um, so that was great <laughs> to, get a, to get a little bit of time with him. Spoiler it was fun alert, reading him because you're wrong. like, yeah, <laughs> like Thane's like, oh yeah, that guy's awesome. And I'm reading it. I'm like, oh buddy, no. He he had like just hit a death stick before going into battle. And he was, <laughs> he was like, I can do anything. And that did not Invincible. All right. We Dead. also saw a general Riken. Uh, who, you know, obviously just had a recent triumphant return in Resistance Reborn, so that was cool. Yeah. Yep. Yep. God, All at the age stuff... of, what, like 130? <laughs> like, dude must have been, like, ancient in Resistance Reborn. Yes, seriously. He was giving Yoda a run for his money. Um, we... <laughs> We saw General Mating, uh, the guy mm-hmm. who looks to me like he's from a bad episode of Undercover Boss, wearing a wig, <laughs> rocking a, a dyed beard and some eyeliner. Sorry if I'm yeah, throwing too much Minnie shade Bothans at him. died to bring us his information. General Nadine. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then Mon Mothma, the actual leader of the entire rebellion, was in this book. And, God, uh, with one of the best scenes in all of canon of... I'm so drunk. Do you know what girl is real pretty? She's bad now. And Mon Mothman's like, let it out, buddy. Uh, she's like, any good RA that's just like patting him on the back, being like, you're going to make it through this. It's so Seriously, it's though. so ridiculous. I just can't imagine. That was, that was such a that was such a great turn. And it didn't reveal the fact that it was Mon Mothma for a really long time. Yeah, like a whole like, chapter. In, yes. in a weird way, though, to me, that scene was like showing us the difference between the rebellion and the empire in like the everyday yeah. kindness. Can you imagine Palpatine taking care of a drunk person and how that would go? <laughs> no, think about, think about Palpatine stumbling yeah, across a drunk stormtrooper in the hallways of the death star. Like what would happen? Oh my God. It, he would, I he just... would kill them. Like Mon Mothma is like, <laughs> hello, drunken frat boy. You may lead the battle. Like, are you sober? Are you okay? Have a biscuit. Yeah. Go. And, and Palpatine's like, <laughs> betrayal. And like, just immediately yes. destroy them. Oh, man. All right. So. Mon Mothma is the Professor McGonagall of Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> She's like, wrong. I'll be firm with you, but I'm going to be really, really cool yeah. on the down low. 
Like, just like meet me in my office. I got treats. Like, it's, I'm cool. I'm a cool mom. <laughs> oh man. All right. On page thirty-six, we get the quote: "Most planets had myths and legends about twins, <laughs> resorb twins, apparently." Uh, <laughs> it was a comment about Sienna and Wynette, but I think it's also kind of a reference to Luke and Leia as well. Oh yeah, so that was sure. kind of a cool shout out. On page 39, we get a Mace Windu reference. Sienna and Thane are studying galactic history, and Mace Windu is the answer to the question, who was the leader of the criminal gang that interfered with a legal execution on Genosis, thereby sparking the Clone Wars? And that is freaking hilarious. Not only does Mace get his hand cut off, electrocuted and thrown out of a, like, eight million story window, he (laughs) also goes down in the history books as the leader of a criminal gang. He was done wrong. If it helps, if you've watched Clone Wars, he's also a total asshole. <laughs> so there's that. that. He is, man. That is this, Clone War, this recent Clone Wars arc has just completely solidified the fact that Mace Windu is, in fact, a giant Listen, asshole. Listen, stay <laughs> tuned later in the Discord for more on that. I was rewatching. Oh part of my May 4th uh, celebration today was rewatching Phantom Menace. And for some reason, this one line hit me different on this watch and i don't know why it was but whenever qui-gon says he's found the chosen one and like the or when is it yeah when he says he's found the chosen one and the sith have returned because he's just fought maul and mace literally basically goes i have a hard time believing the sith are back and we don't (laughs) know about it but he hits like a high note at the beginning i was like dang he does he does he's such an arrogant asshole like yeah in like like i always for the longest time we're on this huge tangent right now but this is important for the longest (laughs) time like i was like really doubting myself I'm like is mace really the asshole like he's so cool it's it's like it's samuel jackson he's got a purple lightsaber but no like he's 100 the like one of the main reasons that the jedi suck ass and like basically lose everything is mace windu's fault because he's yoda's right hand man he's like his little his little demon like talking in yoda's ear about all the shit that's happening and yeah i think yoda was felt he fell for it a lot it do you like. even vapod bro it's like shut <laughs> up oh my god oh I my care god about form yes. six <laughs> <laughs> we get it <laughs> That was, a, that was a deep dive right there. Yeah, <laughs> that was. That was. All right. Moving on to off of Mace to a random thought. I was thinking about this, and I did not have the energy or the drive to look this up. But is it possible that Thrawn and Eli Vanto were at the Academy at or around the same time as Sienna and Thane? Do those timelines crap, line dude. up? Because Lost Stars takes I place. How you, I don't know how you find this stuff, Charles. Th- you're probably right. I just think about it. I was in the shower. <laughs> As it happens. Wow. I What's mean, maybe. Up? Maybe? Maybe. I mean, it, yeah. I, I think it's a maybe. I was trying to look it up on the Utini timeline, but I realized that both Lost Stars and Thrawn take place over large amounts of time, so the year isn't yeah, exactly on our timeline. Probably like, pretty close to the same amount of time. Hey, maybe. Actually, you know what? I think... I think Thrawn was at the Academy before that. Like, it hadn't been before that because they're young. Like, are, this is like, how much time are they in the military? Are they in uh, Sienna in the military? Like, what? Like, four, not that, four not or that five long. years? If even that, like, two two to four years? Like, yeah. Sienna talks about being, let's see, they're 18 when they graduate. And she talks about being 25 and becoming a, uh, like, commander of a Star Destroyer. Remember? Yeah. yeah. That, six years? So, there's our time right there. So, I six years? 
I don't know. So I don't know. I, if if Thrawn was really in it, I would I would 100% expect Ved Foslow to, like, go commit a hate crime on him. Like, this blue prick or something. Like, and he'd be like, oh, what was that? I don't know. But Thrawn yeah. wasn't written until after this book. Uh, Maybe Ved believe, was one right? of the guys that beats up Thrawn randomly. You remember that part of Thrawn where, like, yeah, just yeah. the random group comes and just beats him up for no yeah. reason? He was one oh, of them. Oh, you mean the racists? Yeah. yeah. Those, <laughs> the racists. those guys. The specious. Yeah. Um, specious. Yeah. All right. So maybe. Could have been. Maybe. All right. Um, page 149, we get a reference to the events of Rogue One. Uh, and it basically says the rebels were a ragtag bunch of malcontents reduced to terrorist acts because they lacked either popular support or military might, or so they had all believed until recently when the rebels had struck at them from a hidden base. To the undying shame of whatever complacent imperial officials were responsible, the rebels had actually won the engagement. Not only did the Empire have to bear that incomprehensible defeat, but it had also lost vital intelligence information. Although the specifics were not widely discussed, Sienna gathered that the intel had to do with the plans of a new secret Imperial space station. And guys, in the manga, or manga, as I now know I'm supposed to pronounce this, there's actually a picture, like, from behind of everyone from Rogue One. Like, K2, Jin, like, you can make out who they all are. They don't show their faces, but it's actually in there. So I thought that was freaking awesome. That's awesome. Wow, that's Although fantastic. I love the idea of the Battle of Scarif being a rebellion victory because of how it ends with just dire death and destruction for True. everyone in Rogue One and Vader slaughtering people. But it's still technically a rebellion victory, I guess. Yeah. It is. I mean, the, uh, Princess Leia gets away. Yeah, no, you're right. It is. It's just yeah, it, it's funny it to really think is. of it in those terms because, again, I, I just watched Rogue One today in honor of May the 4th, and it ends on such a hard note. <laughs> You forget yeah. they actually did. God, work. I love Rogue One so. It is much. so great. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Oh man! All right, so uh, page one fifty one, we get the scene from A New Hope when the escape pods are all shooting out of the ship before it's been captured, and an Imperial. You guys remember this? One of the Imperials says, "There goes another one," and then he's told not to fire because there's no life forms on board. That's the one that obviously R2 and C-3PO are in. We learn in this book that the guy who said that, there goes another one, was sitting directly next to Sienna. So if you're watching the movie, Sienna was literally just off screen. You just that missed moment. her. You That's just missed funny, her. Man. I love That's that. Funny. That was that was also retconned in the uh, what's that book called? Uh, from a certain point of view. Yep. Of the guy was like he didn't want to mess with his like his, his, his statistics. Yeah. He, he didn't want to mess with his uh, his kill streaks. <laughs> because they <laughs> his, would like his, K, get... his KD ratio, if you will. <laughs> yeah, they would like get get uh get uh, demerits or like something on their record if their uh, their accuracy dipped below a certain level with organic targets. It it's a lot. It is. It's, they aren't all gold. It is quite the retcon. One of the one of the biggest stretches I think of the entire <laughs> the entire book. <laughs> oh man! All right, page one fifty eight. Fane says about the Death Star: "This place is the size of a moon." So obvious reference nice. to Luke and Obi Wan in A New Hope with "That's no moon." Um, mm-hmm. Page one sixty eight. We get the quote: "These terrorists had gambled on the proposition that the Empire would never strike back." That wording is an obvious reference to episode five. Hey. <laughs> right. Thank you, Claudia Gray. Excellent work. Page 170. After Alderaan is destroyed, Thane is sent by the Empire to Dantooine, the fake location of the rebel base that Leia tells oh, Tarkin yeah. in A New Hope. And that means that Tarkin lived up to his promise in the film whenever he responds to Leia, don't worry, we will deal with your rebel friends soon enough. He actually does send people there. 
So that's cool. You know, side tangent, Dantooine is obviously one of the major planets in the KOTOR game. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's, like, a like a secondary Jedi base there and stuff. Do you guys think that the Rebel base had anything to do with that? I mean, that's thousands and thousands of years ago, but... I wonder if that's why they chose Dantooine. I don't know. Maybe. Also, have I, I think I've told you guys this before. I legit thought Dantooine was a fake planet she made up until I was about 22. <laughs> like, she was, like, she was, like, like, she was looking out the window. Dantooine. Like, that, that just totally fake. <laughs> that is funny. I'm like, oh, she means Tatooine, but she can't say that, so she changed the name. Yeah. So that's actually a good point, like, just in general, because you could probably easily get away with making up planets in Star Wars, because there are literally thousands and thousands of planets. Like, oh, what, what the amount she, of Tatooines there are, there's Zytoween, Yes, yes. Dantooine. She could have named, named anything, and Tarkin could have been like, hmm, that's interesting, never heard of it. Has anyone heard of this planet? Like, uh, yeah, is we'll, this we'll real? check it out, we'll check it out. <laughs> oh, it's in the... Bring, it, somebody bring me a map, I need to see if this is a real planet. All you have to say is, oh, it's, it's just beyond the Outer Rim, yes, all right, oh, yes. yeah. <laughs> Exegol? I, I've never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds fake and dumb. What the no. hell is an Exegol? <laughs> oh, all right. On page one seventy-three, uh, we get the quote: "The vast majority of Imperial officers remained in service until they hit mandatory retirement age or died, whichever came first. Uh, I'm sorry, what's that age cut off? Because your boy Tarkin's looking about 95 and change at this point. <laughs> right. Seriously, when do you I don't, have I don't to think retire? It to him. It doesn't apply to him, I guess. And I guess it yeah. doesn't apply to the rebellion either with with Reich and goodness. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, page 182. Jude actually found the weakness to the Death Star and intentionally, uh, as intentionally placed by Galen Erso, and she puts a report in and no one cared. And Love it. That's, Love it. That's so imperial. They would never listen Read to someone Read the like reports. Her. Read yes. the reports. Abandoned the station during our time of triumph? Exactly. Sure. Overestimating their odds. Ah, oh, tremendous. Classic. Page 184, we get the planet Lethal mentioned, which is obviously very yep. familiar to us now, but at the time, yeah, that was fun. really would not have been. So that's pretty, pretty awesome. Um, yeah. Page 189, Sienna meets Vader and is so overwhelmed that her, quote, uniform collar felt too tight. And that seems to be a reference to his force choking of everybody, I think. Like, even his aura. Even his aura. He just naturally yeah. starts to force choke. He has to remind <laughs> himself to stop. Oh, no, sorry, sorry. Just... That happens a lot. Somebody sh- I wonder if that's been counted. Like, how many people, like, put their finger in their collars when they meet Vader? A lot of yeah. people do in Star Wars. Yeah, like, I wonder true. if it's because, is it, like, does he just, like, subtly force choke everybody? Does he have a passive force choke ability where he just, like, he walks in the room and everybody gets a little choky, like, ugh. Yeah, man, there's something in the air in here. Like, geez. yeah, he like, leveled that... he leveled up into BBY and got passive force choke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently, like, seriously, is that a thing or is it just like is it subconscious? Like everybody knows that he's just choked a whole bunch of people, so they're like they feeling it, even though it's not happening. I don't know. It is now. Yeah. Oh, it's Vader now. choking, absolutely, hundred percent. Yes, page two hundred five. Thane finds himself in the blue convoy, which is a nightclub on the planet Caravdoy, and. We get the quote, the music was excellent. Low, sultry rhythms played by a long-snouted guy at a circular keyboard. Could that be Max Rebo from <laughs> Jabba's Palace? On his galactic tour? Hell yeah. yeah. It has to be. Uh, have you guys seen the Robot Chicken skit where Boba Fett's down in the Sarlacc? <laughs> yes, oh my Max God. Rebo's like, I got a gig. I can't, I can't help. I got a gig. Is Max Rebo like, is he like Skrillex or Avicii? Uh, rest in peace. But is he like the guy that would just like show to a club and be like, 
dude, Max Rebo's spinning tonight. I didn't even know he was going to be here. And he's like, drops yeah. in and goes like, hey, can I play a set at like three in the morning? And they're like, we're going <laughs> to shut down, but Max Rebo's here. Yes, like that, except also Sanford and Son. So uh, just somewhere between the two. <laughs> somewhere between the two of those. Wait, you mean Mumford and Sons? <laughs> no, 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 San- Sanford and Son. <laughs> the old, like, you know what I'm talking about. Have you seen the show? It's old. Yeah, but how did, I thought, but Mumford and Sons is actually, you know, music. All right, we're to start the to start our watch party tonight. We're gonna watch this. The, the, we're gonna right. watch the bit from. Robot we're not Show. watching Clone Wars anymore. We're only watching two hours of Sanford and Sons. <laughs> You're the lame one here, Eric. We're also <laughs> oh inadvertently referencing Scrubs right now for all the Scrubs fans out there. <laughs> all right. All right, page 228, guys. We get another pod racing mention. There have been so many pod racing mentions in canon material. Uh, I'm never gonna stop bringing this up until we get a pod racing book. When is that coming? <laughs> or I want. I my... don't know. It needs to happen. It needs to be the whatever planet. Um, what what planet did Qui Gon reference in Phantom Menace? Was it Malastair? Malastair, yeah. yeah where the ducks yeah. live, dude. Yeah, it's there gotta be, be. There should there should be a huge plot point where there's like like an enormous race, like Formula One level race, like. It's way bigger than the Boonta Eve classic. Oh, like, no, dude. Would be give sick. me straight up Fast and the Furious. Give me a Jedi that has to go undercover as a pod racer to break up this pod racing circuit. But then he realizes the Dugs are all about family. So he becomes a pod Ooh. racer and escapes from the Jedi who are trying to arrest them. What if... Yes, if this? What if this TV show that we're getting is the unannounced, unnamed TV show. What if this is the Darth Maul Kira TV show? <gasps> and what if the pod racing happens in that because that's the crime syndicate shit that they have to, like, infiltrate, like a big heist type of situation? Oh, that my God. totally work. Yes. Bring it on. And Why we can see it. not? Do it. Do it. Speaking cowards. Speaking of fast ships, 291, we find out that Thane's Rebel Squadron is called Corona Squadron. How fitting. Hey, guys, Fast and the Furious. Oh, my God. Oh, true. With the Corona. (laughs) Yes. What? They they always drink Coronas at their their family dinners in the backyard. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember that now. I haven't seen those movies in like a decade. (laughs) Page 290. They're like still coming out like actively, but... (laughs) I know. (laughs) I know. They're incredible. Page 292. Dak is talking about Luke and he says he even learned how to use the force from the great General Kenobi, the last of the Jedi. And I was like, whoa, Dak, you got a lot of info there for like a nobody. (laughs) How would he know this? Obi-Wan and his training of Luke prior to his self-sacrifice is totally not common knowledge. Where did that come from? That's why he got killed off so fast. He He knew too much. He had to tie up that loose end. Just think about New New Hope Luke is whiny. He's probably telling everyone. he's He's never had a friend before. He has like four friends in his life. He's like, Hi, I'm Dak. Oh, hi, I'm Luke. I just got trained by the last Jedi, Obi-Wan Kenobi. He died. Like, he would totally say that to everyone. Dak is like, no, no, no. Listen, guys, listen. Luke was supposed to go to Tashi Station to pick up some power converters. Yeah. And And no, you're right. He never did. Great question. He never did get there. I know. He's still mad about that. 
Oh, okay, page 294, still speaking of pilots, we get the return of Yendor, or really the beginning of Yendor, the Twi'lek pilot yeah. and wingman to Thane. Uh, he was an original mm-hmm. character in this novel, and then we see him come in later canon material as well, most recently Resistance Reborn, so I thought that was yep. great to Huge see him Huge role again. in that book, very cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, page 337, Sienna and Nash were actually the people who got sent aboard the Falcon to disable the hyperdrive while it's parked in Cloud City. Corey, you brought that up. <laughs> last week so yeah. that was awesome that's my favorite that's my favorite little whenever i'm pitching this book to somebody when i'm talking about you know there's all these things that a great star wars novel has you guys have heard my pitch a thousand times yeah. I, yeah. I i specifically named that scene it was like you know in empire when the the hyperdrive gets disabled yeah these characters were responsible for that and that's why the book is so good so, so cool. i love that scene yeah yeah that's such a great such a great obvious reference that even like the more casual folks recognize so i really like that yeah the, another another really awesome one was page 349 when thane helps to scout out the planet Dakar, which we see the rebels abandoning in the opening of The Last Jedi. But remember when this book came out, this was pre The Force Awakens. So I thought it was really cool to actually see that planet get a shout out. Oh yeah. Um, yeah that's pretty cool. And maybe maybe that. Thane is the reason that they even went there in the sequel trilogy. So some cool time. Very possible. Very possible. Um page 14 we see Perrin Reese say we endure and we prevail not as crude matter but in the realm of the spirit. And that is 1000% a reference to Yoda's quote, luminous beings are we not this crude matter. Absolutely. Yep. Page 408, the planet the rebels briefly inhabit that is too small for a name and only has a number designation is called 5251977 or May 25th. 1977 the release date for the original star wars film wow yeah that was fun when they do that i did notice that that was really cool that was a nice little nod and especially like for for as early in the canon as this was i think easter eggs like that are super important to the old school legends fans and people coming into it a little more apprehensive they're like no 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 no. we got we got a lot of reference for for the for the old days so we're gonna make sure we put that in that was really cool it was yeah uh, page 424, Thane says, I've got a bad feeling about this. So that is spoken in every Star Wars film except for technically Solo. And Han says, I have a really good feeling about this. And The Last Jedi. <laughs> but for people who read the books, I think, wasn't it the book where we learned that BB-8 actually beeped? I have a bad feeling about this to Poe at the beginning. I think it was. Oh, did he? Yeah, so it's not yeah, actually said in the right. film. But it is in that That's story. That's hilarious. Oh, uh, yeah, happy beeps, happy beeps. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Page 431, Nash says rebel scum, classic imperial slang. Page 447, we get the quote, Palpatine's face appeared on countless hollows every single day. Like anyone else in the Empire, she could have, this is speaking about Sienna, she could have described him as well as she could members of her own family. Hair almost entirely gray, but still thick. Face betraying only the slightest lines of care and time. His posture straight, his eyes sharp. In other words, the face shown to the world had nothing to do with the reality. And that just felt like a bad Tinder date to me. Is Palps a catfish? <laughs> you know what it the fe- entire galaxy, yes. You know what it felt like? It felt like to me, um, like the episode of Rebels. Do you guys remember that? When, when he's trying to yeah. lure Ezra into that little temple, and he's like, yeah. the hologram is like the really beautiful, pretty older man, and then it like changes to the emperor when he like loses yeah. control of it. Mm-hmm. But also, uh, Palpatine. So Sheev on on Tinder, it's like <laughs> Sheev, comma one hundred and eighty six, <laughs> and then it just like, <laughs> hello. Yes. yes, I love domination, but I'm actually secretly a sub. Ooh, <laughs> like that could be a fun little game to play. <laughs> Speaking oh, of womb absorption, 
That is the dark side, indeed. <laughs> so, all right, we're almost there. We're in the home stretch. Page 450, when Dak, again, I'm coming back to Dak, when he's speaking to Thane, <laughs> Thane uh, basically thinks to himself, Luke Skywalker again. Thane managed to keep from rolling his eyes, but Princess Leia he admired. It's funny to think that really, despite Luke being the hero in the eyes of the audience, even some of the rebels just really don't like him. Like, they view him it's as... <laughs> This guy that just keeps popping up, like, yeah. yeah, like, why do we care? This guy has not been in the military ever. He's a general overnight. Exactly, and and, and that goes back to what uh, Corey pointed out, I think, last episode too, about whenever Solo and Calrissian show up and they're generals in the final battle as well, and and Thane thinks to himself, like, who the heck are these people? So exactly, yeah. You know what Luke, he, Luke does? Also leave like a... all the time. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, he would just not show up to rendezvous and all kinds of stupid shit. And then also, like, also like he was a cocky little asshole. Like, he he came in, those, and they're like, you know, it's only three meters. And they're like, Dude, we got to get freaking missiles in three meters? And Luke, who's never been in a battle before, is like, oh, that's easy. I used to shoot that shit back home all the time. Like, like, I used to bullseye womp rats. Okay, guys, calm down. Yeah. And, 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 and it's just, just like, <laughs> hate him. That's, yeah, exactly. That's in the Family Guy special too. I brought this up last time. I'm bringing it up now. He like asked Luke to come out in the hallway immediately after, and he's like, uh, he "What was that? Like, like, you just called like, hey, me out man, in front not, of everybody." That was not cool. Yes, that was. Really oh funny. man, those are so good. Okay, we're getting off track again. Page 483. Masa is mentioned as quote trying to keep the Empire together after its fall. And I never even really thought about the fact that he was one of the most powerful people in the entire empire, and he survived the Battle of Endor. Um, so it's kind also of also a... he had like some authority apparently. Yeah. Like what the heck's up with that? That's interesting. Yeah, exactly. So you know what I you know what I I, I think of every time that you think about Masameda like holding the empire together. It's an episode of The Office where Kevin makes chili. <laughs> He's like, oh, oh no. <laughs> That's that's, that's totally Masameda trying to keep the empire together. We have had more references to other TV shows and franchises than ever before, and I love it. Masameda is the Kevin of Star Wars. Yes. Yes. All right. Last bit here. Uh, Oh, really cool Jedi Sith fight? I'll leave. Sorry. (laughs) That's one of my favorite moments in all Star Wars. He just leaves this awesome fight. Yeah, Go ahead, continue. get us out of this. All right, page 486, Thane visits Naboo, and he actually parks his ship right by the Palace of Theed. Uh, and the rebels actually go on to discuss Odogunga and how uh, there was like some weird dessert there. I don't know, it got a little bit weird at that point. But how awesome was it that we also <laughs> got some prequel love in this book that yeah. already showed so much to the original and really, the sequel trilogy as well. So Phantom, Phantom Menace specifically. Exactly. Yeah, Gunga, Gungans. I mean, exactly. We went there. And so that that goes to show that that Claudia Gray is a fan of all Star Wars, and that's yeah. what we are on this podcast as well. That's why we love her. I think as a creator, or one of the many reasons. And I think that's just an awesome note to kind of end all of this connective tissue and Easter egg talk. Is just to say, God, I love Star Wars and. Happy May the 4th, everybody. So that's it. Let's go around and quickly re-rate this book. 1 to 10. We had a couple 10s last time. Let's see if they change. Um, Corey, you start us off. 
I'm sticking to 10 out of 10. This book is fantastic. It's really great. Uh, really great introductory books. What I was trying to say, uh, if you never read a Star Wars book, Lost Stars is still universally the one that I'm going to recommend you read. Um, yes, it's a young adult book. No, that doesn't matter. There is so much amazing stuff. Um, you know, the book has everything that a really great Star Wars book needs. I'm not going to give you my pitch again. It's really good. <laughs> 10 out of 10. You should read it. Boom. So you say it at a 10. Eric, you are also a 10. Let's hear it. I'm sticking to that 10 as well. This is, uh, it's incredible. It's got everything you need. The characters are amazing. Give it to someone who doesn't know what Star Wars books are. Give it to someone who is a little bit scared of jumping in. They're going to be hooked like every single one of us were. I love it. I need the sequel. But even if we don't get it, I'm going to reread this book time and time again. 10 out of 10, baby. Yes. All right. And Wes, you had actually not quite finished it the last time you rated this book so how has that changed now that i'm presuming you're done yes i finished it i can't give it a 10 out of 10 i don't think i can give any book a 10 out of god 10. I'll, give, I'll, give a, I'll give it a i'll give it a 9.9 and here's here's my thinking i didn't know unlike you guys i didn't know what i was getting into in this book i thought it may have been like in between certain aspects of say like return of the jedi and the force awakens but i didn't know it actually went through the original trilogy and then some and then encapsulated part like some of the parts from the their uh, original trilogy movie scenes so that's what's really that really brought me in and then just the the very end when i was like oh that's what the book cover looks like and what it's supposed to mean so that, <laughs> that kind of bumped it up a couple notches right to 9.9 yeah love it <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and I am kind of similar. I really, I can't give books tens. I just can't do it. So I'm going to give it a 9.9 as well, Wes. So I'm with you. Oh, wait, so, though, so if, if Charles and Wes cannot give tens, 9.9 are tens. That's the top. It's, yeah, kind of it's a, a perfect score regardless. It's, it's yeah, I mean, this book is... Freaking amazing! It's like that's the teacher. The teacher hands you your term paper back. There's not a single red mark on it, but it says 99. You're like, oh, excuse me, ma'am. I don't really understand why. Why I don't see anything wrong with the paper. Oh, you see, I just I there's always hundreds. room for improvement. I, I just can't give a 100. I don't know what it might be. You're just like <laughs> what? That there's nothing wrong with the paper. Why is it a 99? <laughs> Forgot the comma in the middle of that paragraph, and there's that so one for you. You're going to see Wes and I walking around at some future celebration, maybe not this next one, in a Utini t-shirt that says 9.9 out of 9.9. <laughs> oh, my God. Perfect. 9.9. Only note, too much Dak. <laughs> I'm not wearing a shirt that says too much Dak in public because people that don't know Star Wars are going to be fine, very fine, Sorry, 9.9, 9. not enough womb absorption. <laughs> Okay. All right. Eric, take us home, please, sir. All right. Yes. Yeah, so thank you all for joining us. Part two of this perfect book, we will say. Lost Stars, one of our favorites. Thank you so much also to our patrons that made this roundtable possible. Again, this was a goal we reached. Uh, thanks to your amazing support of this show. We're so glad you guys picked this book for us to read. We're going to come at you next time for a lot of new Patreon rewards, so keep your eyes peeled. But, my friends, that is going to do it for this week's episode of The Living Force. If you're new, don't forget to subscribe to this show wherever you get your podcast. Tune in every single week to hear us at Utini talk about the Star Wars Expanded Universe. If you want to buy this book or any others and you want to help support this show, look up your book on Utini, click the Amazon link on the profile or the Thrift Books link or anything like that. We have a couple other affiliates and we'll get a few cents to help keep the lights on. 
If you want to help us out more directly, you can find us on patreon.com slash utini or on TeePublic where our shirt designs, including our new Lost Stars shirt, are now live. If you are an Inquisitor tier or up, you would normally head to Patreon right now to join us for Aftermath. Corey, what are they going to do instead? Right now? Watch party! <laughs> watch Woo! party! Head over to Discord. If you are a patron, the Watch Party voice channel. Go to the voice channel. Join in there. We are going to be watching the Siege of Mandalore together. All you got to do is join that channel. We will be there in just a little bit. But if you are already on Patreon, now is the time for you to upgrade to enjoy all the great benefits of the show. And if you become an Inquisitor, you can get our normal Aftermath show, which is going to be continuing next week. A special thank you to Drew Abarando. Patrick Ortiz and Alec Householder on our Jedi High Council. Thank you to Timothy Dunlap, Russ Orlando, our Alliance High Command for your amazing support of this show. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Eric Eilerson. Corey is at DocStarWarsMD. Charles Zetsy Hankel. Special thank you to Matt Davenport, our amazing editor. Freddie, our producer. Wes, our community manager and host. Thanks to Corey, Charles, Wes for podcasting with me. Everyone in the chat for hanging out. And as always, May the 4th be with you! Happy Star Wars Day, everybody. There is no hatred. There is joy. There is no division. There is union. There is no apathy. There is passion. There is no gatekeeping. There is community. This is the Utini Star Wars Fan Code. Embrace it. Live by it. And above all, trust in the living force. That's all for this week. Join our community and surround yourself with like-minded fans by visiting us online at utini.com. Until next time, may the Force be with you.